0: Welcome home. You're listening to the Life Center Rainier Weekend Message. If you've been a part of this uh, collection of talks, this is week three, but if you're new to the game, I want to just give you a little uh, jump, jump ahead and, and give you a little update on where we've been. So we've talked about love, loveology. Ology really just means the study of. And what we're doing is is we're leaning into God's love and the study of God's love. Because in this life, we can get our definitions from wrong sources. Oftentimes in culture, in our context, we can allow those circumstances and situations to define what love is. But no, we know biblically God is not just the author of love. He says he is love because he loves He is not just someone that does this thing. It is who he is. It's not incongruent in his character. It's consistent in all things. And so when we know God, the Bible says that we know love. And if we know him, then we love others as well. And this past week was Valentine's Day. How many of you had a good Valentine's Day? Come on. National Single Awareness Day. Come on, right? And so no matter whatever box you're checking these days, whether it's Married, happily, need help. Come on, maybe you're, you're in, the, in the dating stage. You're kind of dating, kicking the tires on this thing, thinking, man, I might buy this thing. I don't know if I'm, come on, put a ring on it. Come on, oh, I'm a single later. <laughs> or maybe it's the box is checked complicated and your situation is unique. Or you're just in that single stage You're single and ready to mingle. Come on, anybody out there, right? This is where I hope two hands go up and I can just connect the dots real quick, right? Get my, just go into the Cupid mode. Cupid. Sorry. Doesn't lie. All right. But but we're going to continue to lean into this conversation because the interesting thing in our culture is that we use one word, to describe our affection for things, but yet we use the same word to describe um, a, a, an affection of a, a certain level, but it, it pales in comparison to the truer, deeper, authentic love. We'll say things like, I love my ShamWow. Anybody got the ShamWow before? If you got a ShamWow, you love the ShamWow. Come on, have you been to the Piau Fair before, or you stay up late at night and watch infomercials? Nobody does that anymore. We got Netflix, y'all. I love my Wow. Another one that I loved was the Chia Pet. Anybody love the Chia Pet? I wish somebody was a real friend and told me I had one grown out of my left ear. Come on. I'm at that age and stage where it's sucking in my head and coming out my other orifices. Okay. Chia Pet, Bow Flex. Come on. How many of you got a Bow Flex? How much clothes can you hang on a Bow Flex? That's the question. (laughs) 73 jackets, I'll tell you. The Snuggie, come on, the Snuggie is real. If you got a Snuggie, you're probably watching online right now. God bless you. (laughs) But my favorite of all time, the one that I loved, was the Blue Blockers. Anybody remember the Blue Blockers? Come on, man, I love these Blue Blockers. Come on, a little homework. go, Go Google it. But we say we love things, and in the same breath, we use the same word to describe our love for our spouse or our children or our grandparents. So really this word love lacks clarity and definition. Matter of fact, it's even lethargic at times. It lacks power. The problem is in our culture, we're fluent with the word love, but it's anemic in the practice because it's not clearly defined by God. God is the author, the originator, and the definer of love because he is love. And in his definition, This love is something that we get to receive, but we don't also just receive. It's something that we get to continue to perpetuate and pass on to other people. And so in the goodness of God's grace, he's given his son because he's so loved. And once he gave to us, we understand that that was a decision that he made. And the big picture concept that I want to make sure that we all get here today is that real love is a choice. And the title of my message today, if you're a note-taker, is this. Now that we found love, what are we going to do with it? Come on, how many of you went to the OJs in 1973 right there, right? But how many of you from 1991 went to Heavy D and the Boys, right? Come on. And some of the youngers, you're like, no, that's just the song at the end of Hitch. When they're dancing, they're doing the line. Like, calm down with the gyrations, okay? I can... I still got a little bit, you know what I'm saying? We pop lock, but we don't drop. We keep it holy in the house, okay? (laughs) Hallelujah. Now that we found love, I just really believe that we need to know what we're going to do with it. Today, I want to give us five characteristics of love that we can plan and prepare to really position ourselves to express and experience God's love In such a tangible way, there are practical applications to the love of God and how we live this thing out. Now, let me just say this. This is good for every stage and every season. Whether you're married and this witnesses to your spirit and equips you and edifies you for your marriage, praise God. If you're dating, this is going to be helpful information. If you're single, friends, Let me encourage you. This is exactly what you need to be. If you're on the other side of a breakup, you wish you were here last week. Well, (laughs) but I just really believe these words are going to speak and penetrate hearts as only God's Holy Spirit can do with his words. Amen. Go with me now to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, three short little verses I want to share with us this morning. And then I'm going to break these down, kind of just a quick little arsenal of, of points to put Put in your uh, little fanny pack, in your little satchel. Take along with you for the ride, okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says this. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Somebody say more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Now, let me pause right here. I just really believe this is profound because a lot of times, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard these words before. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, we've even quoted these words before. There's a lot of great scriptures that we can quote, cro- quote, croak and what are you, a toad, a ribbit? But we quote these scriptures and we we claim them, we preach them, we 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 believe, we speak these things, right? And we even say things like, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, right? But it's one thing to say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And it's another thing to face something that requires Christ's strength. To get through it. And it's another thing for us to say that we're more than conquerors. It's another thing to understand how powerful God's love is in this life for us. Because we are not just conquerors, we are more than conquerors. How? The power of love. There was nothing greater on this earth that you and I will ever experience than the power of God. And the power of God is experienced and expressed. Through his love. And his love for us. Now that we found love, what are we going to do? We're going to put it into practice. It says, goes on. It says, for I am convinced. Somebody say convinced. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present future or the mariners in spring training, and we're going to get it this year. Well, we people of faith. Jesus, help. Nor any other powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And and those words are true. And I believe we believe them, we know them, we receive them, and we reciprocate them to a degree, but do we perpetuate them to the people that are created to receive this love? And though there is nothing that can separate us from God's love, there are many things that separate us from being the dispensing agents of God's love. Many things. But God is saying, listen, as Paul the apostle is writing this letter, he's saying, I am convinced of this love. And when you're convinced of it, you're going to be able to convince somebody else of it by the way that we live this thing out. Amen. I remember when I first met my now wife. I was in a church building. It was like a college young adult. Um, gathering and this is a, a church I used to be a part of and, and and I went there a few weeks ago because they're doing like this church planters gathering. I have a couple of friends that are looking to plant church churches. So I was like man you got to come with me. These guys are equipping people and so we walk into the church and we walk right into the room where I first met my now wife. We got in there it's like boom I went right back to that place. I remember going there and be like man I don't really want to be here. Because I was a youth pastor and when you're a single youth pastor every um um seasoned older friend has a niece or a granddaughter Be like, oh honey you just gotta go on a date with my with my granddaughter i'm like nah player i tried that once no i am not dating that was the status i was in check the box it's complicated and it's not complicated for me i'm gonna make it really clear i'm not dating you ever been there you just shut it down <laughs> no shut it down turn off the dms don't even go there come on that's gonna preach here in a minute okay and, and then when I saw her walk in, I thought to myself, I'm dating now. <laughs> I was like, hey, girl. <laughs> and she walked in with this other guy, and I thought to myself, I'll eat him for lunch. But I'll sop her up with a biscuit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Is that like doing the dishes, John? No? Is that different? Okay. How many of you guys went home and did the dishes after last week? <laughs> Come on. My dishwasher actually broke. <laughs> so, Anyways. But I just remember seeing her, thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I, want, I, I love her. I love her. You haven't talked to her. I know, but I can just, you know, I feel it. And I remember, like a grown man, I emailed her. <laughs> this is before texting and social media. And, and, and I said, hey... I don't know, uh, you know, if it's working out with that other brother that you were hanging out with, but, you know, <laughs> drop the zero and get with the hero. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't say that. I, God, by God's grace, I didn't say that. And, uh, but I just remember finding out, you know, we had other mutual friends. We just kept crossing paths, and we got to hang out, got to get to know her a little bit more. And the more I got to know her, I realized that her external beauty paled in comparison to the inner beauty of who she was. And so when I started to s- discover the depths of who she was, I started to emphatically give myself to the idea of like, no, 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 no. I love her. <laughs> love you. <laughs> How many of you are the first quick ones to say I love you, right? Yeah, there's one in every relationship. Like, I love you. And they're like, thank you. <laughs> we talked about that in week one. But we, we engaged in conversation, and I asked, can I hang out with you? <laughs> like, can, can I hang out with you and your friends? Because if you don't like me, maybe one of your other friends will. I don't know. But we hung out. We got to know each other. And the more that I understood who she was, the more convinced I was of my love for her. I was convinced that I loved her. And here's the thing about our understanding of the love in this world, in this life, is that we oftentimes get convinced of our love for someone else and we lack the conviction of understanding of what it means to be convinced of God's love for us. And you can only perpetuate what you have already perceived to receive and understand the vastness of the goodness of God's love for us. And so when he pours it out, he does so generously, not in reservation, not in part, he does so to the fullness of the measure of what he sent, the greatest gift he ever gave, his son, Jesus. And this is how we know love, that God gave his very best. And now as we lean in and know that we found love, we gotta ask the question, what are we gonna do with it? Simply put, love does, is what Bob Goff said. And I wanna give us five practical points, rapid-fire little points to help us be better equipped to love the way God would love. Amen? Number one, if you would, write this down. If you're a note-taker, write this down. If you're not a note-taker, let me encourage you. Be a note-taker. Write it down. You'll retain it. Your retention levels go through the roof. They say 7% uh, retention level with just listening. They say uh, 57% retention level with writing it down. They say upwards of almost 100% retention when you write it down and go back and read it again. Uh, just something for free, okay. Number one, now that we found love, what are we gonna do? Number one, we're gonna make a decision to love every day. See, love is not a feeling, love is a decision, it's a choice. I, I am certain of this that the nails on the cross did not hold Jesus Christ there. His love and devotion for humanity is what held him there. He made a decision, he made a choice to go to the cross and endure the pain and the punishment of sin so that you and I could have freedom. Now, true love is not robotic, it's relationship. Now, God did not create us to be little robots. He says you get free will. You get a choice in the matter. But yet for us to reciprocate the type of dedication that God died on the cross in that type of decision, you and I get to do the same thing every day. The Bible says to pick up our cross and carry it daily. Why? Because every single day, we will come back to this place where we will decide whether we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead our life or if we're going to lead our life for ourselves. And so love is a decision every day. And there's a misnomer in culture that love is based on feeling. And feelings are fleeting, right? Because if love is based on a feeling, more than a feeling. Come on. 80s rock band. Boston, how many of you had the big sunflower hair? You know what I'm saying? Aquanet for days. And it's not based on a feeling. Love is a choice. It's more than a feeling. Most of us tend to say this thing like, oh, when I fell in love. Well, the problem with falling in love is the inversion is true. If that is true, is that you can fall out of love. And how many of you know Jesus didn't fall in or out of anything? He committed, he declared, and he went to the cross to die for our sins. And he modeled what it would look like for you and I to live a life of decision every day. He gave his life. He gave his best. And the problem is, is that you and I say that we fall in and out of love. And the opposite can very much be true as well. Because if it's based on a feeling, it's fleeting. It's fleeting. And the problem with feelings is they're they're okay to have as long as they don't have you. Feelings are indicators. They shouldn't be dictators. Feelings are like a fire alarm, a smoke detector that's going off. It's an indication that there's a deeper problem. But if you stand there and cater to the alarm, you will never take care of the true problem. And more damage is being done every moment. And this is how this life works, is that we get caught up and engaged in the way we feel over than the commitment and a decision to just find ourselves consistent and true. And this is what God's love does. Stays faithful. Never fails. In all things. Because love that's based on a decision isn't associated with feeling. This is how we have to continue to give ourselves to God's grace on the daily. There's another song that was in the movie called Top Gun. And I'm not going to sing. Okay, I will. Just because you ask. You lost that loving feeling. This is way better than any of the other services. I just got to tell you guys. Great job. But you can't lose a feeling, you can't find a feeling. You can't fall into it, you can't find out of a decision, a choice, something that would say, "I am committed to." Like Paul said, "I'm convinced. There's no talking me out of it. And if you and I find ourselves trying to talk ourselves into it, let me tell you, if you talk yourself into it, you can easily talk yourself out. Well, I'll just give this a try. It seems like they got a couple things together. How many of you found yourself in a relationship with some babies and on the other side of the divorce because you thought, maybe, but yet they lacked the character qualities of Christ? And so it's not about emotion. It's not about feeling. It's not even about talk because if we can talk ourselves into it, we'll talk ourselves out. So we can't just talk about it. We got to be about it. Come on. And Christians love to get caught up in the talk of love. Matter of fact, some ladies are in love with the idea of being in love. And you don't even have a boyfriend. But you got stacks of magazines under your bed. And your marriage is planned and ready to go. Oh my gosh, when are you getting married? Don't have a date set yet. Oh, tell me about your fiance. I haven't met him. And please don't let me be the, the, the joy robber. Don't let me be the the dream robber but i'm just saying when we get caught up by putting the cart before the horse we don't have a hope because we get consumed with concepts and days but let me tell you what true dedication is it's a daily decision cuz your your wedding is a day but your marriage happens daily and if we are not committed by way of a choice to decide I will love in spite of circumstances. I am committed. Then, when the next feeling comes, deuces and you're out. The problem is, is that we can't base it on a feeling. We can't even base it about our language because we can't talk about it. We got to be about it. Corey Tenboom, who is a great um, historical person in the Christian faith, she was, uh, World War II helped. Jews get, get, get away from the Holocaust, her and her family, and she became a preacher, and one message she shared, she says, "It is a crime to stand in the corner of a burning building and give a lecture on best practices for putting out fires." The world is on fire. Love, don't lecture. And we as followers of Jesus can talk about love a lot. But are we living this thing out? Are we making a declarative, a decision? Are we choosing daily to love in spite of any other feelings or associated circumstances? We have to choose to love. Make it a decision every day to love. 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, Paul even says, if I speak in the tongues of angels or in men, if, if I don't do not do, these things but I don't love, I'm like a clan symbol. I'm like a gong. And as much as these symbols and these gongs might get some attention, it's not the right attention. we got to get the right things in front of us. And when we love God and we love people so well, it's not about what we say. It's about who we are in him. And so we've got to make this declaration. We've got to make this decision every day. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 said it like this. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who has been given to us? Why is hope, love, and the Holy Spirit in conversation here? Well, let me tell you. Hope is faith for the future. The Bible even talks about faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these are love. And now the Holy Spirit is the promise of God. When Jesus died, rose again, he came and talked to the disciples. He says, Guys, I gotta go. I'm gonna go prepare a place for you, but take hope, the promise. The Holy Spirit that the Father promised you is going to come. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes, he does a couple things. He takes up residency in our life. God once dwelt amongst us. Now he dwells within us. Come on, aren't you so glad God lives in you? And now as he lives in us, he does something. He seals us for the day of redemption. What does that mean? It means your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. The love of God will never be limited to reach you, teach you, and heal you of those things. So like my friend Sammy, Sammy, Stevie, Wonder, he said it like this, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. He says, nothing you can do, no heights, no depths, no angels, no demons, no separation, nothing's gonna keep me from you. I'm yours, you're mine, let's declare, let's decree, and let's be committed every day to love as God loved. How did he love? Well, in John 15, verse 12 It says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. How did he love? He let love lead the way. Number two, he let love lead the way. Now that we found love, what are we going to do? We're going to let love lead the way. Not waiting on others to act. Not allowing somebody else to, to set the table or the scene. No, we give ourselves faithfully and consistency, consistently going first. Why? Because love leads the way. How did Jesus show us the way? He did so by laying down his life in sacrifice, in service. That's how you and I do it. We do it as Jesus did it. He led the way. Um, uh, yesterday, I was walking into a coffee shop. And as I was walking in, this lady goes to try to walk out the door. And she has two hands full of coffee. And I thought to myself, I could stand here and let her struggle, and it would be funny to see all these coffees fall. I didn't really think that, but it's an illustration, so stop judging me. (laughs) And so I see her with two handfuls of coffees, right? Two, four things, the little carrying case, container. I don't know what it's called. Again, no judgment. And so she's, she's coming to the door, and I run up to the door, and I grab the door and open the door. And she goes, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. I go, yeah, I did this so I would feel good about myself. I didn't say that this is what I said I said you know what I pray every day that God would put me in the right place at the right time that I would show the love of God in service to someone else and she says oh my gosh who are you I was like I'm I'm nobody I'm nobody telling everybody about somebody, and his name is Jesus. All I long to do is let love lead the way. It's funny, when you let love lead the way, you'll start to see yourself leading a life where you have opportunities that present itself often. When you pray and and predetermine that you're going to allow love to lead your life, all of a sudden, you're going to see opportunities to love. Let me tell you what the greatest opportunities to love are, the most difficult opportunities. Glory. Who's going to sign up for those? Jesus followers. Because every problem, now, you just prayed to be the solution. Every impasse, you are now the innovator of opportunity. Now you start to breathe and see and believe that now because God has put his grace on your life, he's lifted you up into heavenly realms. He says he's placed you in heavenly places and given you every spiritual blessing you need to be the blessing for this world to see the love of God. But you and I have to make a decision that we will let love lead the way. I don't know um, how many of you have ever been on a date before. How many of you ladies been on a first date? Okay, let's talk about it for a minute. How many of you ladies have been on a first date and then let the brother get a second date? Anybody, okay, yep, Half, this is how this world works, okay? There's, there's, there's two distinct scenarios. One guy got a second date. One guy got a first date. This is how this works. The guy that got the first date, this is why he didn't get a second date. He says, hey, do you want to go out with me sometime? And she goes, mm, okay. Hey, don't hate. I am happily married for many years on a mm, okay. <laughs> what did Hitch say? He says, any man can sweep any woman off her feet if he has the right broom. <laughs> Good thing my eyebrows looked a little bushy that day. And so... The guy that got one day, he goes, will you go out with me? She's like, mm, okay, I'll go out on a date with you. He goes, okay, I'll pick you up. He goes to pick her up, gets in the car, and, and she goes, where are we going? He goes, ah, you know, what do you feel like doing? I feel like getting out the car because you don't have a plan. <laughs> well, I just thought I'd leave it up, you know, leave it up to, you know, play it by ear, you know, shoot from the hip. She's like, you better take yourself around the block and find some other sucker. <laughs> How many ladies would give that brother a second chance? None. Well, some of you are like, I might, I might. I'm kind of in this spot. <laughs> but the second guy, you know who gets the second date? is the guy that shows up, says, will you go out with me? She's like, uh, okay. All right, I'll pick you up at this time. Um, have, have this ready. Um, um, have a, a change of shoes, and, and, and we're going to have a great time. You ever met the really excited guy, and you're like, why did I say yes? <laughs> And then you get there, he picks you up, you get in the car, and she goes, what are we going to do? He goes, well, I've got three options. We can go here, here, here for dinner. Then after that, I thought we could go over here, 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 here for dessert. And after that, I thought we could go have some fun and we could go here, here, here. What do you think? She thinks, I'll marry you. (laughs) Why? Because there was a pre-planned, led the way, gave himself to the diligence and understanding that I know that love will lead the way. And when we are followers of Jesus, we've got to be pre-planned and dispositioned to be people that will not let circumstances dictate how we operate. We will love in, the spite, of, in spite of hate. We will love in the fe- in, without fear. We will love in the face of rejection. We will love because God loved us. And the power of his love will always lead the way. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 said it like this. But God demonstrates his Owned love for us in this. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get it together, to clean yourself up, to to put it all together, to to be polished, to be perfect. He's like, no, 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 no. Where my love comes in is where my leading starts in your life. If you allow him to come in, you will start to see the trajectory of your life change in a way that only God can now get the glory of all that he's doing through your story. Amen? Let the love, let love lead the way. Number three, though, now that we found love, what are we going to do? We're going to let love make room. Let love make room. There's a saying that the greatest room in all the world is the room for improvement. You and I have opportunities to grow and improve and give ourselves to the practice of living this love out loud. Giving ourselves to living this love in this life in a way that other people might know his love. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 through 4 it says this therefore i a prisoner of serving the lord this is paul he says beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by god always be humble and gentle be patient with each other making allowances for each other's faults because of your what love Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there was one body, one spirit, and just as you've been called by one glorious hope for the future. So now he's talking about these words like make allowances for faults. Bear with one another. What he's saying is is that we have to preemptive and proactively forgive. What? We've got to make room for grievances and offenses. They say, they say in, in relationships and in marriages, the greatest divide um, comes down to three things, money, sex, and communication. And it's usually communication about money and sex. And as much as those are elements associated, they are just byproducts of the deeper symptom. And the deepest Symptom when it comes to the separation and the divide of relationship is unmet expectations Unmet expectations every offense every frustration is rooted in an unmet expectation It's congruent in every aspect of life. Think about all your relationships if somebody mishandled you or abused you you had an expectation that they wouldn't do that and because of that you've borne offense If you have a separation of of a marriage and you now have have frustration based in an unmet expectation. Why? Because they did not meet your needs. They did not meet your expectations. But the reality in this is that Jesus goes before and gives us the grace on our life to pre-plan and proactively start to do things like forgive people in advance. Some of you need to go to bed tonight, ladies, praying that in the morning when your husband wakes you up and you weren't ready to get up that you can forgive him before you get there hey baby good morning what boy what is wrong with you i was just seeing if you're awake you know what they say foreplay is in marriage hey you awake that is terrible The truth is is that you and I have to give ourselves to the preemptive and proactive willingness to forgive in advance. We've got to make room and allowances for the other people's offenses. Some some men need to go to bed tonight and pray that when your spouse, your wife, hands you that honeydew list, you won't do the honey-don't list. Honey, don't give me that. Don't give me this. Don't give me the other. we got to give ourselves preemptively and proactively to making room for love to come in. Some of us are going to go to work tomorrow, and you're going to have a conversation with your boss, and you're going to say things like, turn up on me today. Please come at me today. And they're not even in the car. And people are driving by you, looking at you, thinking, what is wrong with them? And you can tell them, oh, I was just praying. No, you weren't. You were having a conversation that you were winning, and nobody else was in the car, That's weird. Don't do that. Give yourself to proactive and preemptive steps of allowing God's love to make room in you. The greatest room in this world is the room for improvement. Come on. Every single one of us can grow in the goodness of God's grace, in the love for others. We can all take this as an advancement of the gospel and how he's allowed us, lavishly laid upon us his love for us that we too would love others. As much as we know his love for us, nothing can separate us. We have so many things that caught up and catch us in this conversation that separate us from loving other people the way God has called us to love other people. We can't let it happen. We've got to, now that we found love, we got to let love make room. Put up with, give grace to, make room for it. We all have love to give. But do we use it to forgive as we have been forgiven? That's when you know truly that you have made room for love. Amen? Number four, now that we found love, what are we going to do? We must fight with love for love. We must fight with love for love. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. We have to really put this thing into practice because you and I really can't fight for love if we don't fight with love. Paul talks to, to Timothy, his, his protege, his true son in the faith. He says, hey, Timothy, listen, you need to know that there is a fight to be had. He says the, the real fight, the true fight is the fight of faith, that we've got to fight, you know, that word uh, good fight can also be interpreted as beautiful. There's a beautiful fight to be had. What, what? We get in fights all the time. I remember when I was a kid, we used to do this thing called slap boxing. Anybody do this as a kid? Yeah. Some of the ladies are like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't want to fight you. But, but we would slap box, and then we would, somebody had a couple sets of boxing gloves, and then all of a sudden we put on the boxing gloves too, and we're like, okay, no head shots, body shots only, and, and keep it light, Right? It never stayed like that. If it was slap boxing, it was going to fists. If it was uh, boxing gloves on, you were throwing those bammers off and you were getting down to business, right? Because somebody always hit somebody in a way they weren't expecting it. And now, all of a sudden, we're fighting the wrong fight, right? Guess what? In this world, you will face many battles. Rejection is right in front of you. And you and I need to pre-plan and position ourselves to love in the face of rejection. We need to love in the face of this battle because you and I have to fight the right fight with the right weapons. Because when we start fighting fights that we were never meant to fight, all of a sudden we are entangled and in stared in something that the devil just used to distract us and eliminate us. Secondly, when we fight the wrong fights, we find ourselves blaming people and pointing at them as the problem. Just, just, just as a simple rule of thumb, no person is ever my problem. The adversary, the devil, is the problem. The person is either in this place where they're being filled by God and used for his love, or they are not. And there's only two teams. You and I have to choose which team we're going to fight on. 1 Corinthians 16 Verses 13 through 14 says this, be on guard, stand firm in faith, be courageous, be strong. And we think, yep, I can be on guard, mouthpiece in, stand firm, yep, come on, you better bring it today. Or be courageous, be strong, yep, that's right, I'm going to be courageous and strong. But you know how that verse ends? And it says this, do everything with love. Do everything with love. Why? Because love will defeat our fight when we go into it with the wrong fuel. We cannot allow our fight to be fueled by pain or feelings or frustrations. We can't even just allow this thing to be fleeting when it comes to like the, the conversations. We can't get caught up in just a, a dialogue. You know, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap because supply always exceeds demand. And when we get caught up in fighting these fights in word, he says, no, no, no. We got to do this in deed. He who is free is free in deed. And when we do the work of the love of God, we will find ourselves fighting the right fights and doing it with the right fuel. Amen? How does Jesus love? How does Jesus fight? Sacrificially. Service. Beautifully. Beautifully. In ways that we could, we would never think. When somebody comes at you in a way that you were not anticipating, and you live with that person and you gotta go to sleep with that same person that night, how you respond to that combativeness will ultimately be the indicator of where we are in the fight. Five, number five, and finally, now that we found love, what are we gonna do? Number five, we're gonna look for opportunities to be thankful. We're going to look for opportunities. Why? Because God gave us eyes, and love has eyes, and has nothing to do with the letter in the alphabet that's associated with self. It has everything to do with how we see. There's a preacher out there named Heidi Baker, and she says this, love looks like something. What does it look like? It looks like the practical application of daily living a life that would be rever- reverent And servant. When we hear and know these words, we understand that God's love is great. Matter of fact, the Bible even says it endures forever. In Psalm 107 verse 1 and 2, it says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love, what? Endures forever. Some of us have a hard time enduring for a day. But his love endures forever. Why? Now it goes on to verse 2. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Other translations say, say so. It says, let, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's like Paul, right? In verse 8 it goes on. He says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his love. Unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. God led the way. He showed us what true love looked like. It looked like service and sacrifice and the sending of his son to the cross. And now he's saying it continues to perpetuate and go forward. And continue to to lavishly lay itself on this world through those that would receive the love. But would be those who would reciprocate his love to God. But also perpetuate it to a dark and lonely world. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When Paul started talking in Romans 8, he says, We're more than conquerors in this love. And he says, I am convinced. Why? But he was so connected. He was so connected to the giver of love that he knew that his life outside of that wouldn't convince a soul. He knew that in this love that he was so, con- I'm convinced. There was no one talking me out of marrying that girl. Why? I was convinced. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. This is where I, what I wanted to do. This is what I was called to do. This was God's perfect plan for my life. I knew exactly that this is what God had for me. And he's saying to each and every one of us, we need to be more convinced of his love for us so that we can be more convincing to the love of this world. That we would not limit God's love to flow through us. That we wouldn't just be the recipients of this. We would be the dispensing agents for this world as well. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What? Why? Because we can model it and we can live it. But if people can't look at it, they'll never really understand it. If they can't look at it, if they can't see it, if they can't hear for it, how will they ever know? In relationships, you'll find what you're looking for. If you're looking for frustrations and offenses, you can find them. But if you start looking for things to be thankful for and appreciative, start to see how God loves and cares, we'll stop caring about who's looking at us And we'll start looking for those that we can love. Bob Goff said it like this. Love cares more about who's hurting than who's watching. There is an inconsistency when it comes to the character of love. Is that we are willing to give it when we think somebody else can see us do it. And the character of a man or a woman is not what they do in the public. It's who are they in the private. Who are we consistently And thoroughly as we live this thing out because now that we found love the question is what are we what are we going to do with it that we have to position ourselves to prepare to practice this thing called love and put it out there every day so this world will know how good this God is I am convinced that God's love is for us and not against us. I am convinced that no matter height, nor death, nor angels or demons, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Because I can't be separated from the love of God, nothing's gonna separate me from those who need God's love. And friends, today I tell you the truth. God is with us, he's for us, he is not against us, and he has something specific for you and I to learn when we engage to a greater degree and we say, God, fill me afresh, Fill me anew with your love because I want to be the dispensing agent of grace. Come on, friends. Today, if you believe with me, come on, will you give him a shout of praise in this place? Come on. Now that we found love, we got to look and we start to see how good he's been. When you start seeing how good he's been, you start seeing opportunities to be good to someone else. Amen. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes.